Good morning, good morning, guys. Welcome to the Alpha Talk Tuesday podcast. This is a weekly podcast to connect, empower, and inspire enlightened minds to pursue a life of greatness. All right, guys, I thank all of you for joining today's call. This today is going to be probably the close of our Uni Boundaries series. So like we mentioned, I'm just going to go through it really quickly. But before I do that, let me open us up in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for helping us to stay focused. I thank you, Lord, for drawing those of us to the message that you have called, Father. Lord, I thank you for encouraging us and helping us to stay focused on you and to stay committed to the assignment that is before us. Father, your will be done. Your purpose, your will be done, Father. I pray that we will start to embrace our assignments and callings and that we will start to understand the purpose of having certain practices and disciplines for ourselves, but also to have the grace not to um, impose that on other people, Father. I pray, Lord, that we will start to have humility and, and grace and start to understand the purpose of boundaries even more. I thank you for your purpose and plan. May your will be done through this conversation, Father. May every distraction or every high thing seeking to exalt itself against the knowledge of you be brought low. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Thank all of you for joining. Like I mentioned, we are in part five of the Uni Boundaries series. So to kind of go through it what we, you know, really quickly, what we've been doing with this series is kind of diving into some parameters that basically um, surround the purpose of boundaries. So to kind of like just go through the series really quickly before I go into today's topic, um, the first part of of this series, we said that boundaries create a space for rest. So we distinguish how when you are within the boundaries of your calling, gift, and assignment, there is an allotted rest that is giving that is given to you from God. The second part of the series, we said that boundaries create a space for you to receive and respond to God's favor. So we talked about how when you are active and alert within your assignment and God-given gifts, calling an assignment, you are able to respond to the favor of God that is within that territory, that is within those boundaries. So we talked about how it is important for you to know your area so that you can be responsive and receive the favor of God that is allotted to you. Part three of this series, you said that boundaries create a safe space for growth and development. So we talked about how boundaries, when they are well established, they create a space for you to grow and develop as well as provide a space for others to grow and develop. So by you setting boundaries and having certain practices and disciplines, you actually create a space for development. Fourth part of the series, you said that boundaries help you to discern difference. So we talked about how when you have, when you respect the boundaries and you understand the purpose of boundaries, you are able to make distinctions between um, good or bad positive or negative and so forth so boundaries help you to discern difference when you when you walk past the wall and it's dark 
darker than the place you just left you know you're in a different place so with that being said that leads us to today's message which is part five of the uni boundaries series and our subject matter is boundaries protect you from you so i'm going to go ahead and go into the theme scripture for this message and give you some insight on it. So before I even read this, this is Mark chapter seven, verses one through 23. And the reason why I'm reading this one is because Jesus was giving them an illustration of the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to help. <coughs> I'm sorry. The purpose of the law was to prepare his people for his return. So by them following certain external practices, it was preparing them for for an internal experience. So I'm going to read that. I'm just going to read it to you right now. It's Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Remember, today's subject matter is boundaries protect you from you. So one day, Mark Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as the ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law ask him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. I'm going to pause there really quickly. Notice that he's notice that the Pharisees are saying to Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? Notice that he's, he didn't say God's age-old tradition. So the Pharisees clearly made a distinction that this was something that they added. They said our age-old tradition. So they made a distinction between what they did and what God said. So continuing on, it says they eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands for from God. Notice that Jesus said that they teach man-made ideas ideas as commands from God I'm going to pause right back I'm going to pause really quickly I'm going to go back to verse 7 no verse 6 where Jesus says these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me I want to touch on this really quickly because we have to understand that our lips are a external are an external indicator of our internal condition. Our lips indicate the boundaries we have made, we have placed around our heart. Let me repeat that again. Our lips are an external indicator of our internal condition. Our lips indicate the boundaries we have placed around our heart. 
And what I mean by that is this. If you want to learn what a person is watching, listening to, what types of people they're spending time with, what is important to them, all you have to do is pay attention to the things they talk about. Pay attention to their speech. What are the things that they talk about? What is their language? You can tell a person's location in in their soul by listening to them speak, by seeing what is important to them. Continuing on, he says that their worship is a farce, in verse 7. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to the parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God. Hold on one second. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you, listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So I'm going to pause there really quickly. Notice that he basically said that what goes into your body, that is not what makes you dirty. What makes you dirty is what comes out of your heart. So I want to just give an example of what that looks like. So just to speak on something, so I'm just going to share a a quick story, right? So in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says to guard your heart, but out of it flow the issues of life so when jesus he's talking naturally here about food he's actually talking about the foods and some of the external um traditions and whatever else that was mentioned in the book of moses i'm sorry not the book of moses but the law he's mentioning that a lot of those things were pretty much external hold on one second He, he pretty much is mentioning that a lot of those things were an external boundary that he was placing for his people specifically. There was external boundary. So, for example, just to go back, like and when you go back to the first covenant, the Old Testament, you see that the Jews were prohibited. The Israelites were prohibited from eating certain animals and, and so forth. But here we see in Mark chapter seven, the one I just read to you that he pretty much said that it's not what you eat that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes out of your heart. So when we go back to the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law, according to what Paul said, was to be a school teacher preparing you for something else to come. So it says, like he talked about, he contrasted how the law was like a schoolmaster. It was a guardian that was preparing you for something else to come. So usually what happens here when we talk about the heart is that the reason why the Lord gave the law 
was to have some type of structure for his son to abide by so that he could perfect and be the only one who was able to perfect the command of God so that everyone who followed Jesus would be free from having to follow every single commandment of God. I'm talking about the law, not the commandments. I'm more so referring to the law. So Jesus was the only one who was qualified spiritually, naturally, and so forth to be able to listen and obey the whole law in a position to be able to model that so that those who he imparted to would not have to model that as far as the law you know to every dot and detail because it's not possible for a man to obey the whole law consciously because it you know according to historical records I believe they said it was like around 612 laws that were pretty much in, in the first covenant for in the old testament so it was like around 612 I believe laws that had to be obeyed so humanly speaking like <laughs> that meant that there was a very you, you couldn't just do what you wanted to you had to be you had to be more calculated and more reserved in how you moved so anyway here in Mark chapter 7, we see that the Lord says that it's not what you eat that defiles you. In other words, what goes in you does not always determine what comes out of you. So anyway, um, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says to guard your heart, but out of it flow the issues of life. Now, this scripture is referring to the things that we entertain, whether it be words, certain conversations, certain people, certain places, certain TV shows, movies, and songs, all these things. He's saying to guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. So the natural command from God to watch what you eat is a spiritual representation of what God wanted us to do with our hearts. He wanted us to be guarded with our hearts, the thing that we did, said, entertained, and so forth. So the the law was an external boundary, like I just mentioned, was an external boundary that was placed to help develop to to help develop spiritual boundaries, so that the people of God could be more calculated and more aware of how they were conducting themselves. So one of the things that external boundaries do and guarding your heart does is it protects you from sidestepping certain things internally. So anyway, going I'm going to finish it up, you know, this scripture. Lord Jesus, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from a crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. 
far from forth from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So I want to look up the word defile really quick. I want to see something. Um, give me a moment, guys. I just want to get look that word up. Hold on. Because I want us to really have a deep understanding of what defile means. So I'm looking this word up. Okay. Strong's G, 2840. Koinao. Koinao. Wow. Okay. All right, so when we, the word defile in, in the Greek translation, basically, you heard it, it just, it's basically konayo, konayo, <laughs> that's how it's pronounced. But it basically says to make common, to make unclean, render unhallowed, defile, profane, to declare accounts unclean. Hold on one second. To make profane, to make or consider profane, to call common. All right, so just to kind of like try to simplify all that right now. Basically, remember how we talked about boundaries help you to discern difference. So one of the reasons why the Lord wanted his people to uh, have the law is so that there could be a difference that was be that was discernible to them compared to other nations. So when God gave them the, uh, the commands and the law, that helped them to become an uncommon people, to be, become a distinguished people. Now, we just read how what defi- defile basically means to consider or to call common. Now, God says that his people are a special people. So basically, by people choosing to operate in wickedness and deceit, adultery, sexual immorality, and so forth, what the Lord says you are doing is you're basically calling yourself common by practicing these things, by basically saying that you are not set apart. So when you do these things, when you follow the desires in your heart, you watch certain shows, you watch certain programs, you entertain certain conversations, and you allow these things to get into you and become a part of you, what happens is they defile you, or other words, they make you a common person, undistinguishable from the regular ordinary people who do not have the spirit of God. So when you choose to allow anger, wickedness, strife, and all these other things to come forth out of your heart through your behaviors, through your character, through your words, and so forth, you're basically making God appear to be common. So anyway, I just want to, I don't want to dwell on that. So like he says, all these vile things come from within. He calls them vile, which basically means disgusting. These things come from the inside of you. They don't come from the outside of you. They come from the inside. So remember how I mentioned earlier, you don't have, if you want to learn about a person, all you have to do is spend some time with them and see what they talk about. See, you know, um, you know, by the spirit of God, you have to be able to discern 
where certain things are coming from because some people, you know, they are in pain. So they may say certain things or they may act a certain way because they are currently in pain at that moment. But it's, this is the reason why it's important to be led by the spirit and to allow the spirit of God to leave your hearing so that you're able to hear properly because ultimately child of God what you want to do is start to become aware of the things that you're entertaining and there may be things that you may have to stop entertaining because they are limiting you so I don't know if I said this early but I was going to use the example of how myself I can't listen to too many secular songs back to back so just to give you an example, right? I love Anita Baker. I love her. I love her music. I think she sounds so awesome. She's just, you know, she reminds me of my mother and so forth because of her hair, <laughs> mostly. And she kind of looked like her a little bit, a little bit. But anyway, um, I love Anita Baker's music and I listen to it. But sometimes what happens is with me, it causes me to start to want to put other music on, start putting, you know, other people on. And sometimes these other people, their music, you know, since it's secular and it's not really honoring the spirit of God, what will happen is it will start to lead my thinking in a different direction. So I know now as a child of God that I have to place limitations on how much secular music I listen to if I'm willing to listen to it even at all. And like there, there's a lot of songs out there that may not be... Um, outwardly disrespectful to God but if you really listen to it and you look at the, the, the that artist look at their other music you'll be able to kind of discern where they are in God's kingdom and some people like everybody has their own journey and everything so you can't judge anyone but you can assess for yourself if this person's music, which has spiritual connotations to it, is something you're going to entertain. So you have to be very careful and guarded with your spirit because your spirit is receiving programming even through some of this music. So I know that like for myself, for my calling, for my gift and my purpose, for the things that God has called me to, I have to be um, very disciplined with certain things. With a lot of things, I have to be a little bit more calculated and slow. I mean, this is not just myself. This is pretty much every child of God. But for my assignment, there's certain things I'm not able to do. You know, and you know that's between me and God. I won't reveal all of those, but I'll just give you an example. Like with the music, for my craft and the things that I'm a part of, I have to be kind of cautious because um, I have a way of connecting with the hearts of people to be able to, you know, anyway... I just have to be very careful. And this is what you want to be able to discern too for yourself. You want to see, okay, based on my calling, gift, and assignment, is this thing that I'm doing right now helpful? Or is it just entertaining me for this moment? Because the difference between being entertained and being informed is that entertain only touches the flesh. Information can hit the spirit and cause revelation depending on the source of it. So you want to be a person who focuses more on being infer- informed rather than entertained. If, you, if you're more focused on being entertained, then you, that means that you are more, mostly a carnal person. 
You know what I'm You just have to be straight up. If you only need, you always need to be entertained in order to receive things of the spirit, then that means that there's a carnal side of you that you need to surrender to the Lord. But that's besides my point anyway. Continuing on, um, I'm going to talk about the conscience really quickly. We're almost done here. So, our conscience, our conscience is almost like the gatekeeper for rules and regulations. So our conscience is like kind of like the overseer for our thoughts and, and behaviors and so forth, right? So for example, if you were raised to always let's say give 10% of your money to the you know to your parents or whatever, every time you got paid you gave 10 them 10% of the money. And that was something that you were raised to do ever since you were younger. And they were training you to kind of like give that to God. If you get older and you lean away from tithing, which is kind of like that practice that your parents were preparing you for. If you lean away from doing that, and that's something that every time you do it, it bothers you. That's an example of you violating your own conscience because that teaching that behavior that your parents taught you by having you give them 10% of your income every time you got paid or you did chores or whatever they were training you to reserve that for God now if you like I said if you get older and you deviate from that and every time you deviate from that it bothers you that's an example of violating your own conscience and, you know, one of the ways to protect your conscience is to get, like I said, information. You don't want to just have a conscience that has loose ideologies and concepts. You want to have solid foundation for why you think the way you think. Like, you want to be able to explain the reason why you believe and, and, and have certain practices. Because that will protect you in your walk. You don't want to do anything aimlessly. The more formlessness you have in your life the less borders you have in your life. And this is the reason why, um, just to use an example, the New Age community, when I was once a part of that, the New Age community kind of teaches you to be formless, to have no um, walls, to pretty much believe that everything that exudes positive energy is good. That's what the New Age teaches you. It teaches you to be formless. And if you're not a person who understands things of the spirit, and you come into the new age, you will start to have conflicts within your soul, within your spirit, because now if you've accepted the Lord, you've accepted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to start to set boundaries in your life. And if you are a person in the new age and you're wondering why certain things are happening a certain way, it's because the Spirit of God is starting to set some boundaries in your life, whether it be people, practices, places, and so forth the Holy Spirit is setting some boundaries. And this is the reason why um, we have to be a people who are more slow to listen and quick, I'm sorry, quick to listen and slow to speak is because you don't know everything that God is doing. So you want to discern the boundaries that the Lord is placing in your life. The walls that he is erecting in your life. Everything that's good doesn't mean it's God. Let me repeat that again. Everything that's good does not mean that it's God. There are certain things that may appear to be good. They may appear to be helpful. 
but it may not be what God wants you to do. Let me repeat that again. Everything that's good does not mean that it's God. So there are certain things that you may feel led to do or someone else may say, oh, you should start this ministry. You should do this. You should do that. You want to be a person who is able to slow down and see what the Lord wants. Because just because something may appear to be a good thing doesn't mean that it's a God thing. And there are certain things that may end up leading you in a different direction away from God's calling for your life. You know, there are people who are called to, say, for example, business. There are people who are called to minister to the masses. There are people who are called to, um, you know, do carpentry and so forth. Just These are just examples. But you want to know what you are called to because it will keep you focused. It will keep you on track. You don't want to be formless. And we're almost done here, right? Because I want to read the last scripture to you guys. Because you need to understand that there is a separation between the soul and spirit. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a moment. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, it says, It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires nothing in all creation is hidden from god everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable so in closing guys understand that before god you are um exposed before god you are exposed he is the only one who can see the borders of your soul and spirit. He can see the beginning of one and the ending of another. So the reason why we want to get the word of God into our spirit is because the word of God is spirit. When you listen to the word of God, when you read the Bible, understand that there's a conflict going on between the flesh and the spirit because the Bible is a spiritual book. So when you're ingesting the word of God, understand that it has to get through certain walls, has to get through certain borders in order to become a part of you where it actually starts to shift and change how you behave and speak. So the word of God is a border breaker, but like God is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon anyone. He looks to establish himself within the walls of your city, the walls of your heart, the walls of your destiny. He is the one who wants to erect these boundaries, these walls, because he is the only one who can see the separation between soul and spirit. Understand, child of God, before you were saved, you were a soulish person soulish meaning carnal you were carnal you were led by your own whims emotions and it, it, according to uh, Colossians it says um, the elemental spirits and forces of this world that's what you were led by until the Lord gave you another spirit to combat the world's spirit so you are a soulish person when you don't have the spirit of God in you you are soul so when the Lord gives you his word he allows the spirit to become a part of your soul 
but this is done through a process. And this is the reason why you want to meditate on the word of God. And you want it to become a part of you. You want those walls and boundaries to be erected in your life so that you can become more discerning of what is before you, around you, and in you. The Lord is the only one who can see your whole heart. No man can see a man's whole heart. They can only discern segments and pieces of it, but they cannot discern the whole heart. So the reason why you want to spend time in the presence of God, spend time with God, because he will allow you to discern what's in a man's heart and allow you to respond according to how he would respond. So when you don't have the spirit of God in you, there is nothing to interpret because God is the only one who can interpret you fully. So I encourage you guys, meditate on the word of God, allow it to become a part of you, because by allowing the word of God to become a part of you, those walls and boundaries will be erected and protect you as you allow the word to become a part of you. You will start to hear things that you need to do. For example, you may be about to listen to a certain thing, a certain thing or a certain song or do a certain thing or say something and the spirit of God will interrupt you in that brief moment because you have allowed his spirit to become a part of your spirit through meditating on his spirit. So when you meditate on his spirit, what happens is the more you meditate on his word, you meditate on his spirit, his character, it becomes a part of you and it starts to overpower your soul. There are some of you out here who have very, you have very, influential you're very charismatic you have a lot of energy to give to people but it's the wrong energy it's soulish energy because there is a difference between solical power which i'll go into another message there's a difference between solical power which is gifting and um spiritual power which is anointing so when a person operates by solical power spelled s-o-u-l-i-c-a-l S L I'm sorry, well, however, S-O-U-L-I-L-I-C-A-L, solical power. When a person operates by solical power, what they're basically using is their personality, knowledge, and gestures to dominate or influence a person or a situation. But when you are operating by the anointing, the word of God influences the person. So this is the reason why you as a child of God want to be able to distinguish between solical power, which is gifting, and spiritual power, which is anointing. The anointing will allow you to discern what is being impressed upon you. There are many individuals who are very well informed. They have many influence, uh, much influence. They have certain resources and so forth. But this is not a verification of heaven's endorsement. This is not a verification of heaven's endorsement. So when you, child of God, set up these boundaries in your life, as far as the spirit and the soul, you will start to be able to discern when someone is operating by the spirit or when they're operating by their soul so you can respond appropriately. Because like I said, there are many people who are influential, but this is not a verification of heaven's endorsement. So you want to be a person who spends time with God so you can be influenced by things of God and not things of this world. When you allow things of this world to become what you spend more time with, what happens is you're being molded and shaped by the elemental spirits of this world, which are not for God. 
this whole world is going downhill. This whole world system is going downhill. The only one that can take you uphill is the presence and the spirit of God. So child of God, set some boundaries. Stop listening to certain um, songs. Stop watching certain movies. And if you're going to do these things and so forth, set limitations. If you feel like it's absolutely necessary for you to do certain things in order to um, be amused or encouraged in your destiny, set some limitations. Because if you don't set limitations, what's going to happen is you'll become more and more, sin, uh, I'm sorry, formless. And, uh, and this is actually the last scripture I, I'm going to read because I want to give you an illustration of what I'm just saying. So this is what James said in chapter one, verses 14 through 15. It says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringing forth sin and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So, child of God, what happens is when you don't have boundaries and walls erected in your life, what happens is you start the process of being drawn away. And you're easily, you're easy, I'm sorry, easily drawn away when you don't have these walls erected because you won't, you won't be able to distinguish between sin and righteousness. Because like, according to what James said here, ultimately sin leads to death. So when you choose to entertain certain behaviors and not have boundaries erected, you are basically allowing death to have some type of door or entrance into your world. And you want to be a child, you want to be a child of God who doesn't have any open doors or windows in your territory that can allow the enemy to plant seeds. Because like James just said, Men are tempted and they're drawn away of their own lust. So that means that there's something inside of you that is responsive to a voice on the outside of the walls. That there's a part of you that is responsive to the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, who is his world system. There's a part, there's a part of you that is able to respond by certain sounds, certain images. And you want to be able to identify what these sounds and images are so you can break the programming. Because if you don't break the programming, what happens is you are able to allow sin to start to reign in your life because you have been drawn out of your safety zone, which is the presence of God. So in closing, child of God, Set some boundaries, set some limitations. Don't allow yourself to think that you can control how much of some of the world gets in you. You have no limits. You have no limits as a sin, as a um, flesh control person, but as a spiritual person, you do have limits and you want to start to set them. So I encourage you guys meditate on the word of God, allow it to lead and guide your decisions don't make decisions in the flesh. Make it based on the spirit and what will help you to be a more powerful spirit and, and child of God. So with that being said, guys, I thank all of you for joining. I pray that this message blessed you and gave you some insight as we close out this series on boundaries. Like I said, today's message, the theme of this conversation was boundaries protect you from you. So child of God, I encourage you 
meditate on the word of God. Read Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. I have a bunch of other scriptures that I'll include in the podcast, but I encourage all of you guys to start to assess what behaviors, people, places, and so forth that you may be entertaining that may be keeping you stagnant or not moving forward in things of the spirit. People are either helping you to move forward in the spirit and challenging you, or they're keeping you stagnant and keeping you reverse reversing and going back to your soulish nature. You can't do both. People are either helping or hindering you. There is no in between. So child of God, assess, is this thing helping me or hindering me? Is this place hindering me or helping me? Is this person hindering me or helping me? Is this movie that I want to watch, this song, whatever it is, is this thing helping me or hindering me? You want to start to assess these things because ultimately you want to be a person who walks in so much power and authority that miracles happen simply because you're present. People may get healed and delivered and all these things because you are such a pure vessel of God and pure vessel of his presence that things just happen in your presence because it's his presence that you will have allowed entrance into that space. So with that being said, guys, have a blessed one. Walk in power, walk in love, set some boundaries, and remember that you are Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. This is the Alpha Talk Tuesday podcast held every Tuesday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We look forward to you joining us next week. Have a wonderful day. And remember that you are Alpha.